0: This is Ryan Elliott for Boxing Social in association with Betfred. Fred. We've got something a little bit different today. I'm in a Zoom meeting, we're going to call it, with Chris Billum-Smith, Commonwealth Cruiserweight Champion. Chris, thank you so much for jumping on, mate. How are you?
1: Ooh, all good, mate. Zoom meeting's very
0: formal, isn't it? It makes it sound a lot more formal than it's actually going to be. But yeah, this is actually pretty good. It's the first time I use it for an interview. But there we are. How are you keeping anyway in this this, this crazy time? How are you keeping yourself occupied?
1: Yeah, all good, mate. Uh, in a good little routine now. Uh, started properly uh, Monday this week, where we're now Wednesday. Um, get up, make my coffee, do some yoga. Do like 15, 20 minutes of yoga in the morning, then go out for a run. Um, and then come back, have breakfast and chill for a bit. And then train again later on in the afternoon and just stand as productive as I can, mate.
0: I see a lot of boxers improvising at the minute. The ones that are keeping active, I've just seen your sort of home gym setup you've got going on outside at the minute. Talk me through that.
1: Uh, so yeah, my brother's basically uh, well, he, he works on the films now, doing rigging for stunts and stuff. And um, yeah, the uh, so he's got a lot of scaffolding equipment and stuff. So I asked him if he had the uh, ability to make me uh, make me a little rig, little setup where I could do some pull-ups and hang a bag off the end. Um, and do some squats off of it as well. So I've got all that set up now. So we're we're good to go. Um, used it for pull-ups last last couple of days. Haven't used the punch bag myself yet. Um, my fiancé me has been on it this morning. Um, I need to go and pick up some gloves from uh from the gym because I, I left them at, at the local gym. So um, once I go pick them up and then uh, and some hand wraps, I'll be good to go.
0: It's nice to hear you've got yourself in a good routine now and, and you've sort of been able to go through a day go through a day and go about your work. But with everything that happened and obviously, you know, your May date was completely pushed back, was it hard to, to stay motivated during lockdown at first?
1: Yeah, it was. It was difficult. I was still training doing bits and doing a few runs here and there. I was probably doing anywhere between four and six sessions a week for the first couple of weeks. But um it started to get more and more difficult so um, I just had to have a proper routine and structure Uh, it's been a while since I've had to self-motivate you know when you're naturally motivated when you're in camp and Shane gives you a time to be somewhere you're accountable for that so it's a little bit different when you're doing your you've got to do all your own training it's easy to get yourself up for a couple of runs if you're doing some runs like um, during camp and stuff but the uh, the difficult bit is, uh, yeah, it's self-motivating and stuff like that. But, um, to, yeah, now's now's all good.
0: It's good to hear you are staying motivated. Obviously, you're working towards that May day in in Cardiff. You've been out sparring with uh, Myres Bradis as well. How good a place were you in before everyone, everything was sort of put on hold? Did you feel like you were starting to gain a bit of momentum? You had the Commonwealth title. You are working towards a defence. You've been out sparring world-class fighters. How good a place were you in before this all sort of broke down?
1: Yeah, yeah, in a, in, in a really good place. Obviously, I was disappointed that we didn't get the Bournemouth show sorted. Um, obviously, a few people turned that that show down and that date down, which was meant to be March 14th. Um, that may have even been able to go ahead with everything that's gone on. I'm not sure if the show would have been allowed that weekend. If so, it would have been the last weekend, which would have been perfect timing. But in hindsight, if I had had that date, I wouldn't have had the experience of going out and fighting Breedis, which was... Uh, a great experience in itself and, you know, I've trained hard up to that point. I've been in camp for five or six weeks and then had two weeks out in Latvia um, sparring the world number one, so it was a great experience for me um, at a perfect stage in my career, um, especially with everything that's going on. You know, you mentally you sort of get yourself in a fight frame of mind when you're sparring the world number one and especially after a couple of times you know what it does and you're you really... Figuring it, started to figure him out a little bit, and but you also know the the dangers he possesses. So um, yeah, it was a uh, it was a I was in a really a really good place and looking forward to to the May fight. I had a decent amount of time that we could um you know still have a camp. I had a week off or a lighter week after I came back, and then we were about to start full training. I had a, I did a spar with Josh Broazzi. Um, on the Tuesday of, of the first week of camp and then that was the day we got sent home. So, um, yeah, so we'd already had that spa planned and that morning we found out we were all going home that night but Josh was already on his way um, down to spa so we, we, we did our spa and then and, and that was camp over for now.
0: You mentioned the disappointment of maybe not getting that Bournemouth that show sorted. There was Tokyo headline in the next gen down there a few different fighters knocked it back. It's something you and I spoke about when we were just chatting the other day. When everything resumes and people are sort of trying to make up for lost time, do you think it's almost going to be easier to make these fights, these domestic fights, because fighters may be more inclined to, to try and make up for that lost time and accept fights that maybe they otherwise wouldn't have?
1: Possibly. Um, I don't know. Obviously, my half show has now been moved to July the 11th, um, which is what I'm now focusing and working towards. But, Possibly um I mean, you might find people if they're in dire need um but at the same time, are people gonna take risks if they're in act, been inactive anyway um throughout even just before this happened, are they gonna take the risks when they probably haven't had a proper camp um with their trainer and getting the sparring in and things like that so that's that's half the battle with getting back i think to to shows in general is. People haven't had proper camps or enough sparring because we're not allowed to spar, obviously. We're not we have to social distance. Um, sparring is not exactly what you call social distancing. Um, it's it's quite the opposite. It's probably the worst thing you could do in in the situation. Um but yeah, it's you might find some people that are are desperate to get back in there. Obviously, there's there's a side of the financial side, but there's just the love and the passion that that I can only speak for myself, but that I'm just looking forward to getting back training, sparring, and, and, and getting back in the ring in general. Um, it's a uh, it's a really strange time, but uh, yeah, hopefully people just they want to get back in there, and boxing will be booming. And you know, there might be the calm before the storm, um, as as boxing has been recently. Anyway, it's been it's been absolutely massive, especially in Britain. Um, but it might even get even bigger after after all this is blown over.
0: You mentioned there your your May 9th date has been put back to July eleventh. We know fighters like to have that date to work towards. Is it is it good for you mentally to know that there is still a date, albeit it's been pushed back, there for you rather than sort of waiting for ifs, buts, and maybes?
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, I I, I always I stay in the gym most of the time anyway. Like I've been in the gym since sixth of January. We were hoping for the March date. Then we figured out mid-February that that date wasn't going to go ahead, so that I was probably going to be boxing in April, and I just stayed in the gym then. So obviously it's nice to have a date, and um, but yeah, it's it's good that it has been rescheduled. Obviously a lot of shows have just been cancelled indefinitely, and they don't know if their fight is even going to go ahead and and things like that. So um, yeah, it's good to to have be on one of the rescheduled dates and. Who knows, it might end up being behind closed doors if they start bringing that in. I know that the UFC are doing something similar. So if that gets allowed, then um, then obviously we, we can do it behind closed doors.
0: What do you make of fighting behind behind closed doors? Is it something that will bother you at all? Is it something you're completely happy to do? You mentioned there, Dana White has said he's, he's found a private island for these shows to go ahead. I'm not saying Eddie's going to go and pluck some some little aisle out for these shows, but if they were to go ahead uh, in a behind closed doors environment, how would you feel about that?
1: Yeah. uh, You know, like I said, the passion for for me, obviously you want to fight in front of fans and and all that sort of thing, or if they're allowed to do it, I imagine they'll allow a certain amount of people in the arena as well. Maybe not, um, but I imagine if a show's allowed to go ahead, there's going to be allowing... You know, maybe even a hundred people in in there as well. But that might not be the case. It might just be TV only. Um, but yeah, I'm 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 up for I'm up for it. Obviously, like I said, the passion for fighting, obviously you do do it in a in a way to, to please the fans and and do it for that atmosphere. Um, and that's one of the reasons I got into the sport. But on my second fight I boxed pretty much behind closed doors anyway. When I got in the ring at, uh, at Wembley Arena, the doors were closed. And then about just before the first bell, 60, 60 70 people ran in, all, all coming to watch me fight. Obviously, George got me a slot right on the beginning of the show. So um, that's that experience might come in handy uh, if if we end up fighting behind closed doors.
0: Now, Chris, let's just move into dreamland for a second. Let's talk about when boxing has resumed. We're all back in full flow. You'll have the Thorley fight, but if you could have a sort of from the twelve months when you do get back in the ring, say that July day all as well. What would your your sort of dream next three steps be? So Thorley, and then the next two fights after that. What would you want for your development for your career?
1: Um, yeah, the thor- Thorley fight obviously get, uh, which I think is a really good fight. Obviously. Is, a Commonwealth Games medalist, he's unbeaten. He's 14 you now. He's a bit of an unknown, and it's a situation I've, I was sort of in where, when I got um, the Rappor shot. So I, I know what someone like in that situation um, can be, how dangerous they can be. Um, I then look towards the the British title. Um, I believe Dion Juma and, and uh, Richard Rappor are, are fighting for that. Uh, obviously, Rappor holds it, so I'd love love that fight. Um, Whoever the winner is, um, I, I'd love that fight, and then, yeah, see, see where we go. Obviously, I'd love to have a fight down in in Bournemouth and get a headline show down here. It'd be be unbelievable and uh, a dream come true for me. Um, and then just yeah, look, look to keep progressing. Maybe uh, European title shot, I know Tommy McCarthy's mandatory for it. So it'd be great if he won the title. We we keep you know all the uh, all the belts in. In and around the, the British Isles.
0: Final one before I let you go, Chris. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here. Everyone is in the same boat right now, right now in lockdown. For the boxing fans watching this, what recommend, recommendations would you give them of a fighter on the past to watch? If I said, could you give us three fights that so boxing fans can go and watch to keep themselves entertained during lockdown? What would they be?
1: Um, I'd go Bo Holyfield. Obviously, it was a a, a classic. Um, can't remember which one it was, which was the classic, but I remember watching both. I think there's two, weren't there? Three. Three in the end. Yeah. Jesus, can't remember which one was the was was the the best one. Um, yeah, I'll go that. that but they're great fights. Holyfield's one of my favourite fights to watch. Obviously, cruiserweight absolutely blitz you know, everyone in his path, and then done and like everyone. At, Moved up to heavyweight and and done unreal from uh, considering how small he was compared to people like Bo and the shots he takes from Bo are just ridiculous um, fight I watched the other night actually was one of George's old fights against Kenny Anderson mm. um, that was a, a good little scrap um, took me back a bit and uh, that's a good fight you know it has its ups and downs in that fight and um, that so that that's another one I'd say and then i will probably go for like um, what are their names? Uh, Marquez and Vazquez, was it? Was it yeah. Israel? Yeah. Um, yeah, where they were just, I think obviously they had four fights. Was it four or five? in Yeah, I think it was four. But they were just bloodbaths. The cuts that they had and it carried on and that was crazy fights. I remember watching the the trilogy um, and, and watching the fights when they, you know, the... the the day after they'd happened and stuff, and they were crazy fights. So I think I was Israel Vazquez versus Rafael Marquez, was it? Yeah. Um, yeah, crazy fights, like, so much blood and drama and some wicked fights. So, yeah, I'd go for, for that trilogy. Um, and also the the uh, trilogy of, of Bo Holyfield, and then go watch George versus Kenny Anderson. don't know if George Appreciate you saying that. It wasn't his best night, but... Um, <laughs> but it was an exciting fight.
0: Well, Chris, thank you very much for your time. This has been a a very productive meeting, I would say. But, yeah, uh, we'll catch you very soon. Enjoy lockdown, mate, and thanks again.
1: Nice one. Cheers, Ryan. Take care, mate.
2: for has lockdown life treating you two kids running about.
3: Uh, uh, I think that's the hardest thing trying to keep the kids occupied um w- w- lucky enough situation that you know I've a, a bit of space around me I live kind of countryside nice garden and stuff so we've done a big walk today with the family um the weather's okay so we're just trying to make the, the most of it really um I suppose, a wee bit luckier than most that have a bit of space to run about and the kids can, they don't get too bored. From a boxing perspective, is it more
2: frustrating for you in that you've had problems with injuries, you've probably got more fights behind you than ahead of you at this stage of your career, it's fair to say. Has this come at a bad time, basically?
3: Well, not really. If you think of who my next opponent is going to be, I'm pretty sure it's going to be Jamel Horan. It's agreed. Um, Obviously, hopefully things don't change and that fight continues and uh, and it's and it does get me eventually. But I boxed more recent than him. Um, I'm younger than him, um, and in a fight with Jamel, I think these things probably suit me a little bit more. Um, so it's not that frustrating really because we're all in the same situation. So we just have to deal with it and get on.
2: And before all this uh, lockdown happened the main bone of contention regarding the herring fight seemed to be whether it was going to be outdoors or indoors. Has there been any kind of progress
3: on that in the meantime? That's that's kind of, that's not an issue anymore, really. Um, That was my big concern, whether it was going to be the Odyssey or the SFD arena. Um, I don't think the fight's going to happen anytime in the near future. If it doesn't happen, kind of, you probably got till very early September, that it only allows you to go outdoor. Yeah. Um I can't see it happening for them. And then uh you have to go indoor. So I think I, I think it most likely ruins Winter Park out now. Um and whether it even happens here now as well as another that's another um whether it happens here or in America. Um who knows? Like our government, the British government are are given one set of guidelines. The American government is completely different as well. So we may ease um, the restrictions here a little bit and it's still in place in America, which doesn't suit Jamel, the travel. So it's it's just got to wait, I think, until the world calms down really before before we even think of it.
2: I suppose the plus side of that is you've had your big Windsor Park event, obviously against Luke Jackson. Couldn't have gone much better um, in the ring as well as the atmosphere itself. So you don't have to kind of keep chasing that dream anymore. You've achieved it.
3: Yeah, no, that's a, that's a fair point. I think that if it had been something that, that I've been waiting on and it hadn't came about, it would have been a different scenario. But I've done Windsor Park and I've done it and I loved it. I would love to do it again, but I have done it and it's, um, it's something I can always look back fondly on. But, you know, I... I for me to be fighting after losing to Josh Warrington um, and the year that I've had and the, the finish off of the win, to be fighting for a world title, um, I, I'm in a good position and, and I have to give credit to the MPK for, for getting me in that position. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm in a good position now, but it's just about waiting and, and biding my time like everyone else and, and hopefully the fight comes off and I'm pretty sure it
2: I think you have to take some of the credit yourself as well. I mean, I'm not blowing smoke or anything, but you're a huge attraction. You know, at mm-hmm. the gate and on TV, you've always drawn ratings wherever you've gone. So I think opportunities for a fighter like that are always going to be there pretty much. And, and you've done well to make the most of them.
3: Well, thanks very much. It's kind of you to say, but I suppose it's, that's the business we're in. It's about putting bombs on seats and, and ratings on TV. and I do I always do pretty well. So um, the promoters will want to put you um on their shows because of that. Um I suppose that a little bit of a yeah, I suppose I'm in a position where I should be, you know, I lose a good fight against the George Ford and I shouldn't be too far away for another world title fight just because of the popularity. And that may sound harsh to some um but that's that's the reality of of Boston. It took me a while though, after the Leo Santa Cruz fight, I had to go around the houses I felt like, to get a to get a world title shot. So I think, um, I think um, I'm due a little bit of luck in this game at this point.
2: Well, after the injury in the hotel and obviously the opponent who fell in the shower as well, I mean, you've had your fair share of bad luck as well, it's fair to say.
3: Yeah, I've had bad luck and uh, the book will be good, that's for sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll
2: look forward to it. Um, tell us what you, what you can tell us about Jamel Herring. We obviously know his credentials and, and his character as well. He's a former Marine, of course. What what can you tell us about him as
3: a boxer and how his style matches up with yours?
2: Well, I think he's a good fighter. I,
3: I've been watching, I've been, I've been using this lockdown to watch him for a fair bit, so I've been watching, watching him a fair amount. Um, it's something I don't normally do, study fighters that much. I watch a little bit, but I've been watching him a little bit more. Um, I probably just suppose because of the current situation that we're all in. But um, he's a good fighter. He's very tall. He's a nice boxer. Um, Southpaw, which brings its own problems, but then you you add the 6-inch height advantage in, and that brings another set of problems. But um, he's a nice boxer. Um, He hasn't got the fastest feet in the world. He doesn't punch that fast. Um, There are times in fights where he likes to cruise, so he doesn't like to exert himself if he if he doesn't have to and I think that's all probably down to the weight issue. Like I think he really struggles to make a weight because he's so big. Um, but his height and his he's a he's a, he's a good box and brain as well and very mentally strong. So well, these are all attributes that that he has. But there's there's no such thing as a perfect fighter and there's uh and, and I, I believe there's there's ways to beat him.
2: And the opportunity to become Ireland's first ever three weight world champion is that Added incentive or added pressure, a bit of both?
3: Well, a bit of both, and I think, I think pressure is okay. I don't mind fighting under a bit of pressure. But the incentive, really, to, to go down in history and become the only ever three-way world champion in Ireland is huge, and that's something that I, I think about quite a lot. That's something that I would be – it's kind of like – it's one of them ones where when you're – when you're long and gone and, and your your kids can talk about it but, and they can talk about it to their kids, you know, how, their, how your grandpa was a, a three-way world champion in the first ever, that is real history-making stuff and it's something that, that motivates me a lot and pushes me for greatness, really. And it's probably um, you're, you're knocking on the do- door of the Hall of Fame as well, then, if you, if you become a three-way world champion against legitimate players. So I... Uh, uh, these are these are all things that are, are, are that I'm striving for.
2: And you mentioned about the impact on your kids and then future generations. How much are your kids kind of aware of what you do now and,
3: and are into it as well? No, they're they're really aware, especially my daughter who's nine. She's she's aware and she's been to a few fights. Both of them were in uh, in New York when I fought Leo Santa Cruz as well. But my my wee boy, the only fight he really remembered was. Um, he losing to Josh Warrington up until the last fight. so he, I think he, I don't, I don't really, I don't think he thought it was very good. Oh well, because the only fact that he remembers, I lost it. So, well, yeah. um, it's, it's um, it's important. it's important that just they'll grow up and they'll understand, and I've done quite a lot. Of great, I'm sure they'll be proud. But, um, the little girl does know, the little boy, a little bit. He knows a bit.
2: How much are you missing the the lads at the
3: gym and obviously Jamie as well and Nigel? A uh, lot. the the boys are it's just it's a great gym to be involved in. Um, we we train pretty hard uh, and you know train very serious, but there's always that kind of bit of fun element to it and banter banter the word that I don't like to use, but i have just use it there. Yeah. But it's good crack. The boys are good. Good laugh, uh, and we've had Dave Allen as well, who's who's just linked up. So I'll be, I'm, I'm genuinely excited about my first training session with with Dave Allen. So it's gonna be good to get back.
2: Have you had any sort of indication? I mean, no one really knows what's going on, but just from what you've heard from promoters or MTK or whoever, when things might no.
3: start to get going? No. I haven't, I haven't, been, and I've purposely not asked because there's important things. Um, and the world going on at the minute so I haven't been annoying MTK or Frank or, or Pat Frank um, with these questions but I think we just want to see it to do so is when we do it um, but you know I want to be realistic here if it happens before the end of the year then I suppose I'm happy enough for that um, I, I just don't see it happening anytime soon also I've got a, a family holiday plan which we're hoping for in August um, after this lockdown, the last thing you want to be doing is cancelling family holidays. So if we can't squeeze a fade before, you know, mid August, then um, I think my priority would be to do that with my kids and my wife and then hopefully squeeze a fade up before the end of the year.
2: You talked about the bigger picture, obviously it's in all our thoughts. What what are you seeing out there in, in Belfast in Northern Ireland generally in terms of the NHS and how people are struggling and the restrictions of the lockdown as well? Because we only see it over here, obviously. But what's it been like for you guys? I
3: think it's probably similar. Um, where, where I live is kind of outside the... the, the Belfast, I'd say in Lisbon, um, where I'm about eight miles from Belfast. So, um, I'm in a little bit of countryside. Um, very little traffic on the roads. I do my road running. Very little traffic. Uh, a few people about the shops were queuing up like like everyone else. Um, you see in that you read reports of young kids especially kind of not listening to the guidelines and, 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 you know, going out with groups of friends and stuff, which I think if you're a parent, you should try your best uh, to stop that from happening, but I suppose we're the same as everywhere else. Um, but me and my family have been uh, in this isolation period now from just before St. Patrick's Day, so um, we're we're I think for four weeks now, something like that. So, um, we're well into it now, and it's getting hard, but you just have to deal with it.
2: Any uh, hobbies you've taken up that maybe you haven't had time to indulge in before?
3: I've uh, I've just started to learn how to play the guitar. So, <laughs> yeah. I've had uh, a guy who you will know but wants to remain anonymous um, is teaching me. Um, and I've, I've got a little app as well that I've been using, but I've had a few days off. It's hurt my fingers there for a while because I've just got started to get, mm-hmm. to get into it. So I've had a few days off, but I need to get back on the horse here.
2: Brilliant! Is that something you've always wanted to do? I
3: always wanted to do it. I, I asked my wife to buy me. She was out looking at the birthday or Christmas present. And she asked what did I want, and, and I said a guitar. Uh, but that was ten years ago. So um, I've just I've just started to uh, I've just started to try and
2: Ah, brilliant well at least you're making the most of your
3: time yeah I'm trying to do my best i'm training as well I, you know, i've got a a bit of a, a gym set up in the garage i can hit a bag and um yeah she is uh, making a cameo oh uh, christine's just <laughs> walked in the back yeah so i've got the, i've got a bag i've got a food squat rack and, and and plenty of weights and um i've been doing this new k weight like trx type training that um Empty are linked up with as well. So I've been, I've been training every day and, and I suppose just trying to keep my belly off really until I'm <laughs> you know, a little bit more serious.
2: Brilliant. And just before I let you go, just tell us a little bit about the show you've been doing for a while now with Chris Lloyd. I've seen a few of the episodes, really enjoyed it and it seems like it's really gaining some traction.
3: Yeah, it is. we're getting It's, it's important, I suppose, I was speaking to Chris about this, maybe potentially doing a little episode just like we're doing now and talking over Skype. Um, we need to try and keep momentum, really, um, because it's decent, and it's, to be honest, Danny, it's the easiest job in the world for me. Chris does all the research. Chris does everything. He knows boxing. He's like a, a real boxing brain. Um, he knows boxer. He knows boxing. He, he knows how to talk about it. He knows how to interact with people, and I just, I turn up and butt in every now and again, <laughs> so uh, it's the easiest job in the world, but Chris kind of runs the show, and uh, and it's, it's going well. It's like you're
2: the looks, he's the brains, that kind of
3: thing. Very much, very much.
2: <laughs> All right, well, I really appreciate the time. It's good to see you looking so well and seeming
3: in really good spirits. Thanks, mate. All the best. Yeah, and to you. And um, hopefully we'll see each other in real life soon.
4: This is Umar Ahmed for IFL TV and Association for MTK Global via Skype. I'm joined by IBF super middleweight champion of the world, Caleb Plant. Caleb, how's the situation with coronavirus in in Las Vegas?
5: Um, I mean, there there's definitely been some some deaths, you know, definitely people who've been sick. I think like 80 people have... um, uh, you know passed on from being sick out in Vegas but I don't think it's near as bad as some of the other places and uh, you know there's uh, they say that the sun and the heat you know helps with uh, the coronavirus and it's kind of uh, starting to warm up out here so hopefully that'll help it out.
4: What's your day-to-day routine been like? Are you still able to go to the gym and stuff Caleb?
5: Uh, I have a private setup where I'm able to go to the gym and um i have a setup at home as well where i'm able to like work out and do my strength conditioning for the most part and uh so i'm staying busy staying in the gym staying working staying sharp uh that way um you know when this thing is over i'll come out you know a little bit better
4: this virus of course affecting the whole world uh, businesses uh and boxing is one of the the businesses that it's affected hugely however do you think for someone like yourself who's been craving for a unification fight that this virus this delay is going to force the bigger fights the bigger money fights the unifications to happen more quicker when this virus is over do you think it'll force bigger fights to happen
5: um you know i'm not sure it's hard to speak for everybody else i would i hope so you know i think that would be great for the sport of boxing and uh, that's how you you know submit your name uh, forever so hopefully it you know pushes some of these guys to want to step up and you know make these big unification fights that you know you and myself and everyone else you know are looking for so.
4: definitely you're in a u- unique division where each champion holds one belt you all have your separate key uh, of course you with the ibf benavidez with the bc uh you got Callum smith with the wba and billy joe with the wbo so you all bring something to the table however Canelo is the money man. Uh, that is the, the the money fight in boxing. Um, there were rumors going around, you know, there were suggestions after your last fight that you and Canelo might have happened, but you said it wasn't the right time. Do you want to just elaborate on that comment, Caleb?
5: Yeah, uh, you know, after my fight at the post-press conference, um, Marcos was just asking... Basically, a hypothetical question at the time if, you know, I'd be willing to fight May 2nd and, uh, you know, just fight in February 15th, February, March, April, and then May 2nd, um, you know, a camp, uh, a world championship camp is usually eight weeks. And, um, you know, just to be rushing things and forcing things that quick when I just came out of camp, you know, I think a lot of people misunderstood me for saying that I wouldn't fight because I just came out of a fight. But it's not the fight that you need to rest i didn't take you know a whole lot of punishment it wasn't a you know a back and forth war it's the training camp that you have to rest from all the rigorous training the miles you put in the rounds of sparring you know you put most people put over 120 rounds in uh of sparring for a world championship fight so uh you have to rest from that you got to let your body recoup and recover you can um you know a lot of times someone like tevin farmer someone who's fought so frequently But then in his last fight against Joseph Diaz, you know, he looked off. He looked flat. And uh, he's defended his title like four or five times in a year with no breaks from training. So I think that's something that kind of caught up to him. And then also with Deontay uh, coming back really quick after fighting Luis Ortiz, you know, he looked kind of shot in his legs a little bit from the get-go. And, um, you know, I know old fighters used to, uh, you know, fight more frequently, but they stopped doing that. And I think that they stopped for a reason, so... You know, I don't want to be swindled. If if he's the cash cow, if he's the biggest name in boxing, then why would I not get an eight-week camp just like I would for any other world champion? Or, you know, you know what I'm saying?
4: Definitely, I hear that. You want your your full preparation for someone like Canelo. Um, yeah. No, world
5: a- champion, I've solidified myself as a top as a top dog in this division. So I don't have to be desperate. I don't have to rush. I don't have to, you know. I'm a seven-figure fighter. I don't. I'm not. I'm not in a desperate situation where I have to just jump on any opportunity that comes at me.
4: Well, your views on Fox recently and your recent fights have been huge. Is that correct?
5: Yeah, yeah. Uh, You know, a little little over a year ago, I won the world title with the most views on uh, FS1 ever. uh, With 986,000 views, I fought Mike Lee. We had 1.4. And then in my last fight, we had 1.8. So I've doubled my views in a year. And, uh, you know, I feel like I'm in a great spot. I've been working really hard, um, and uh, it's really starting to, you know, come full circle, so.
4: Well, let me ask you about another champion in in your division that fights on Fox as well, David Benavidez. Do you think that fight will happen next year, Keller?
5: I hope so. I hope so. You know, there was a video, and I even posted it, you know, because I feel like a lot of people were saying that, you know, it's like I didn't want to fight David, even though, you know, I keep saying I want to fight him when he won his world title against Ronald Greville. You know, I was waiting at the bottom of the stairs to say, Hey, when are we going to, when are we going to fight? And, uh, but you know, there's a video circulating that his promoter saying that we're not fighting this year. He don't want us to fight this year. You know, he wants the fans to wait and, you know, make him pay more when it does come. Um, so I don't know. There's no one from my team, uh, who wants to be hesitant about it. You know, it's something that we want to a show that we won't put on for the fans, but I'm not sure if his, him and his team, you know, feel the same way from the video that was, you know, circulating.
4: What would be the fight that you want most? Any of the champions, really, Caleb?
5: Um, Any of the champions, but I want to fight David. I want to unify with that. I want the WBC belt, so.
4: There's a bit of beef and rivalry between you two as well.
5: I mean, I don't think there's, I don't think there's, like, real beef on his end. I think that he's just kind of, like, you know, Doing it for the cameras, really. Because he'll say certain things, and then when we see each other, you know, he doesn't have like the same energy. Mm. Not that he runs away from me, but he just, you know, he acts like he's going to do one thing, and then when he sees me, he just tries to shake my hand or, you know, nod his head. So, but uh, I don't like him or his team. So,
4: before I talk about the other belt holders, let me quickly ask you about Danny Jacobs. He went on Instagram live recently with Eddie Hearn, mm-hmm. and Eddie asked him, how do you assess the division? He said that you're the weakest champion. Sees you as the easiest fight the champion. Have you got a response to Danny Jacobs?
5: I mean, the weakest champion is still above him because he don't have a belt. So, you know.
4: Is that is that a fight you'd entertain, Caleb, even though he doesn't have a belt?
5: Absolutely. I mean, you know, if, if the situation was right, you know, I'm looking for big fights, people with big names in the division. And, you know, I know he's got a name, but he's kind of past his prime and, you know doesn't hold too much rele- relevance, you feel me? So uh, if he was able to, you know, if we can make something, you know, happen, then I would absolutely want to make it happen. But um, he's been beat a couple times, so, you know, he seems beatable too to me. With that, fight.
4: A- with that fight, though, it seems like the problem would be the networks. Obviously, he's with DeZernia,
5: with Fox. It's going to be an yeah. issue there. Absolutely. You know, the thing is for two networks to cross over like that is going to take two megastars, you know, and so we could have fought and he could have beat me just like he wanted. But the fact that he's not a megastar because he's already lost a couple of times and been knocked out cold, you know, it's going to be hard for him to become that megastar and for us to cross networks and get that fight. So if that's something that he really wanted, you know, then he should have held up his end of the deal and his end of the bargain because thus far. I'm holding up my end of the deal and my end of the bargain for me to make a mega fight with anyone because all you have to do is just keep on winning. So if anybody messed that fight up, I guess it's him, huh?
4: We're expecting Canelo, Billy Joe to, to be happening uh, on May 2nd. Obviously, that's not going to be the case anymore. Uh, if that fight does happen, though, after this virus is gone, uh, Canelo and Billy Joe Saunders, how do you see that one going? Do you give Billy a big chance in that, Caleb?
5: Um, I don't know. I'm going for Canelo. I want him to win. Because, uh, you know, regardless of me saying that I didn't want to fight him, you know, February 15th, right after my fight, say I want to fight May 2nd. I'm not fighting anybody May 2nd. I'm not fighting him. I'm not fighting someone who's 0 and 23 You know, I'm not fighting anybody. But Canelo is somebody that I want to fight. I think that that would be a great matchup. And I think that that's something that the fans would tune into. So, Canelo's, who you know, who I want to fight. So I want him to keep winning.
4: Do you think he knocks Billy out then, Caleb?
5: I think there's a good chance, but you know, Billy, he's a stubborn dude. He's got boxing skill. He's got some attributes, fast feet, good uh, boxing ability. So you know, he Canelo may not be able to get a hold of him uh, to where he can just you know get him out of there. And um, you know, who's to say that Billy won't get his hand raised with you know the style that he brings to the table. Uh, against Canelo so you know it's a good matchup and uh, I'm just ready to you know like everyone else excited to see it.
4: Out of interest Kayla what happened with the offers that you sent to Gennady Golovkin and Callum Smith?
5: Well I think with the uh, everything that's going on it's kind of put everything on hold you know Uh, but thus far no response so you know I like to say that that's because of everything that's going on but you know, I think once the the dust settles on uh, the coronavirus and, uh, you know, hopefully we'll get a, a response, even so if you it's, have... you know, even if it's, even if it's something that they don't want to do, you know, maybe they just get back to us.
4: So just to confirm, there's been no reply at all from Eddie on Golovkin or Callum Smith. No, no, no emails back, nothing.
5: Um, Not that I know of, not that I know of. And, you know, I'm, speak pretty closely with my management, so, you know, it's not like I'm just out of the loop, but, you know, we'll see.
4: Just before we round off, outline a perfect uh, sort of end to the year for this one and a perfect 2021 for you, Caleb.
5: Uh, End off the rest of this year? Mm. The COVID-19 going away today (laughs) and, uh, uh, you know, just getting back to training, hopefully fight in September. And um, go from there. Enjoy the holidays, you know, with my family, my loved ones, and get ready for next year.
4: Okay, Caleb Plant, thank you very much for talking to IFL TV. Um, We hope to see you back in the ring soon once this virus goes. Is there anything you'd like to add, Caleb?
5: No, sir, just appreciate all you guys tuning in. Uh, Stay tuned. Uh, There's a lot of big fights to be made, and um, you'll be seeing me in the ring soon. Hopefully.
4: Hopefully, definitely. All right, Caleb, thank you very much for your time. And, uh, yeah, hopefully see you back in the ring soon, as I said. All right?
5: Awesome. All right, man. Be safe.
4: And you. Cheers, Caleb. Thank you.
6: Anthony Joshua says that neither him nor Tyson Fury get the credit they deserve from the world media because they're British rather than American and America is the center of everything in the Western world when it comes to media. And certainly when it comes to the credit that you get as a boxer. So I'm going to quote Anthony Joshua directly. He says as a British heavyweight fighter, we never get the respect from the world media, which is governed by America to a certain degree, because we're British. Americans are going to take care of Americans. So when I lost, you take talent challenges. The goal is to win 100%. So those are the words of AJ. Now, it is true that the American boxing press have been extremely biased in favor of their own fighters and against particularly British fighters. It's basically any fighter who comes in that is from another boxing nation and presents a threat to the top American fighters. Americans, and this is a generalization here, they tend to get very patriotic about that. And this was very much the case when Lennox Lewis was campaigning in America as a British fighter. He got an enormous amount of hate and ridicule and unfair, extremely biased criticism from the American press, the American public, uh, to some degree from American fighters, although in the latter stages of Lewis's career, because he'd beaten just about all the best American fighters, they begrudgingly started giving him respect. I think the Ray Mercer fight was really a turning point in Lennox Lewis's career because he had a real tough fight with Ray Mercer. He went back and forth with him toe-to-toe and he won Ray Mercer's respect. And Mercer was very well-respected in Uh, the boxing circles in America and by the American press for being a tough guy. Not necessarily the best boxer or anything like that, not the most skilled guy, but a real, real tough guy. And the fact that Lewis went toe to toe with him and he didn't crumble, he didn't crack, he didn't show any lack of heart or anything like that, that won Mercer's respect. And gradually from that moment on, the American press started giving Lewis a bit more credit. But prior to that, I mean, the bias was unreal. They used to give Michael Mora a pass and he had a real weak chin. They used to give Riddick Bo a pass for being wobbled by people like Tyrell Biggs for having a real close, controversial decision over an ancient Tony Tubbs. I mean, he got dropped by Holyfield in the first... I mean, they used to give Riddick Bowe a pass for so many things, Michael Mora and so many other... American heavyweights in comparison to Lennox Lewis. So there was a massive amount of bias then. But today the situation is a little different because the American boxing scene is not as strong as it was back in the 80s and 90s. And it's a lot more fractured now. Now, look, when it comes to ethnicity, most human beings, to some extent, and by most, I just mean more than 50%, Most human beings, to one degree or another, tend to gravitate towards people of their own ethnicity, okay? In America, this reality is a lot more pronounced. America is a much, much, much more racially divided society than the UK is. So, when you see, let's say, Floyd Mayweather fans, the overwhelming majority of them are going to be the same ethnicity as Floyd Mayweather, okay? When you see Conor McGregor fans in the U.S., I know Conor McGregor is Irish, but the vast majority of his fans, they're from a certain demographic. Okay. With Tyson Fury, he's British. Yes, but he is tapped into the same kind of American demographic that Conor McGregor has tapped into because of the fact that America is such a racially divided society and people tend to follow based on racial lines far more than they do in the UK. So, I'm not saying Tyson Fury has deliberately gone out to do that, not at all, but it's just a situation that happens. Okay. So he is benefiting in a way that Lennox Lewis never could because he was going up against African-American fighters, Lennox Lewis, and being a a black British guy himself of Jamaican descent, there was nobody in America. There was no fan base there that were going to latch onto him. Why would they? You know, there was no demographic that were going to gravitate towards Lennox Lewis. So he had it real tough. There was no way he could, in the eyes of most American fans, do any right. And certainly the boxing press. But with Tyson Fury, and in this day and age, different, he does have a demographic there that gravitate towards him. Anthony Joshua, on the other hand, he is in a bit of a situation. Because if it wasn't for the fact that Deontay Wilder is a rival of Anthony Joshua's. He might actually be popular over there with black Americans. But because he's a direct rival of Wilder, that precludes him basically from from being popular with them. And with other demographics in America, again, it's a very divided society. People are not really going to gravitate towards AJ the way they do in the UK. In the UK, you go to an AJ show, there's people of all different colors there. Again, UK is not anywhere near as divided on racial lines as America is. So yeah, AJ gets the brunt of the criticism from the American press and there's no demographic there to back him up really (laughs) for AJ. But for Tyson Fury, I think he's doing very well. I think he's been very well received by large sections of the American public. And I think his popularity will continue to grow over there. And it's not just, his ethnicity, of course. It's the fact that he is a very, very good fighter. It's the fact that he is a fearless character. I think people like that, you know, particularly in a place like America, when you have a very brash individual like Tyson Fury, who is a a trash talker who talks very confidently, that tends to go down better in America than it does in the UK. British people traditionally are a bit more socially conservative than Americans. Americans are a bit more open to braggadociousness and show-offs and stuff like that. In fact, Tyson Fury, if he had been from an earlier generation, I mean, he would have probably, you know, I mean, I I could have imagined him or his family ending up in America, you know? as one of the people from an Irish background who ended up in the uh, United States in the late 1800s, early 1900s. And he probably would have had a field day. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because characters like that really made names for themselves over there. So anyway, I'm going off on a little uh, side route here. Let me get back on track. Main thing is I see where Anthony Joshua was coming from. Certainly if he was American, He wouldn't get as much criticism from the American media or the American fans, and he'd get a lot more praise. But it's not just his nationality that's the issue, you know. Um, And Tyson Fury, as I say, I think he's actually doing okay over in America, and I think he gets plenty of praise. The, The demographic which don't give Tyson Fury the credit he deserves for the most part are the demographic that support Deontay Wilder. And, of course, it's mainly... African-Americans, but not only African-Americans, it's people from around the world who, for whatever reason, find the ratchet, ghetto, ignorant American culture. Okay, I'm talking about the specific subculture, the the ratchet, world star, uh, American subculture. People who are impressed by that culture, and they're not all black people, okay? Those are the ones who tend to be wilder fans and as such, those are the people who tend to try and take credit away from Tyson Fury. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, anybody who is impartial, neutral, or a Fury fan, of course, you're going to see straight through the nonsense. So anyway, let me know what you guys think in the comment section below about Anthony Joshua's comments that he and Tyson Fury don't get the credit they deserve because they're not American. Let me know, people, what's happening, I'm out. Join me on Patreon. I upload a minimum of two podcasts every single week, covering a wide variety of controversial topics, as well as live stream Q&A sessions. Take a look on screen right now at some of the podcasts I've produced so far. For just $3 a month, the equivalent of about two pounds a month, you get access to all my new podcasts and my entire back catalog of past podcasts, including my popular Confessions of a Nightclub Bouncer series. You can listen on your computer or on your smartphone or tablet by downloading the Patreon app from the Google Play Store or the App Store for free. The Patreon app also allows you to download each podcast in MP3. For less than the price of a cup of coffee, you get access to dozens of hours of exclusive content. It's easy to sign up, there's no contract and you can cancel at any time. So come and join our community of free and critical thinkers by signing up with me here on Patreon today. Chris Eubank Jr. has called out Gennady Golovkin. In an interview with Sky Sports, he said, He is the number one name on my list right now. We were supposed to fight and it has always irked me that the fight was stolen from me and given to Kell Brook at the last minute. In the back of my mind, it has always been there. I've always wanted to fight him. People put this guy's name so high, but I know I can beat him. I know that I have the tools and the style to take this guy out my speed, my tenacity, I don't think he will be able to deal with it. This is the main fight. Canelo, everybody would love to fight him, but he's not going anywhere. He will be in the game a lot longer. Golovkin will have a couple more big fights than bow out. I've been trying to get this fight for years. This is the fight that I want. Because of my style, I would stop him due to the pure amount of punches. Whether it's a cut or he gets tired stopping him would definitely be on the cards. Okay, so those are the words of Chris Eubank Jr. Now, four years ago, when they were in negotiations to fight and negotiations broke down, the overwhelming majority of people were not only picking Golovkin to win, but picking Golovkin to absolutely destroy Chris Eubank Jr. in a very one-sided fight. That's what the majority of people were saying. But interestingly enough, at this juncture, a lot of people are actually saying that Eubank Jr. has got a good chance now. In boxing, timing is everything. And I think people are looking at Golovkin's age. They're looking at the wear and tear, the tough fights he's been in. And of course, his last fight against Derevanchenko, where he had a lot of problems. And many neutral observers felt like he lost that fight. He was hurt several times against Derevanchenko. Derevanchenko's speed and work rate overwhelmed Golovkin at several points in that fight. And I think people look at Eubank Jr's style because he's very much a fast fighter with a lot of work rate, he's strong, he can take a shot. And they think, you know what, with his youth, he might be able to get Golovkin at this point. So we do have to bear in mind though that Golovkin is still a much superior technical fighter to Chris Eubank Jr. I know Golovkin's defense has never been that great, but in terms of the way he sets his shots up, His range control, his jab, etc., etc. He is far superior from a technical point of view to Chris Eubank Jr. However, Eubank Jr. does like pressure fighters. When people come at him, when people are slightly squared up, as Golovkin often is when he applies pressure, Eubank Jr. can get off tremendously fast hooks and uppercuts, and he puts his punches together very, very well in combinations. When you box Eubank Jr., when you keep it long, when you stick a jab on him, that's when he has a hell of a lot of problems. He's quite crude when he comes forward and he has to walk you down. But on the back foot, when you're walking him down, Eubank Jr. actually looks quite impressive, even at world level. So it all depends in my mind on how Golovkin approaches the fight. If Golovkin actually decides to box at long range against Eubank Jr., I think it could be a very, very tough night for Mr. Chris Eubank indeed. But if he comes forward and fights the typical Golovkin fight, then maybe Eubank Jr. does have a chance at this stage. How much did the Derevchenko fight take out of Golovkin? How much is the ring rust? I mean, Eubank Jr. is not exactly active himself, but when you're dealing with older fighters ring rust tends to affect them more so than it does younger fighters. So maybe now is the time for Eubank Jr. to get that fight. I don't think he will get it. I don't see any incentive for Golovkin to fight Ubank Jr. at this juncture. They're obviously looking at the Canelo rubber match, the trilogy. So Ubank Jr. brings nothing to the table that I imagine Golovkin would want. He's currently the Is he actually still the IBO, (laughs) Super Middleweight Champion, Eubank Jr.? I don't know. Uh, He dropped back down to middleweight for his last fight, and that ended in the second round with his opponent, God, his name escapes me, the Russian Southpaw who got stopped by Andy Lee and had a very close fight with Charlo. Excuse me, his name escapes me. But yeah, he injured himself in the second round, and Eubank Jr. won that kind of like by by default, basically, because it looked as though it was going to shape up to be a very tough fight uh, for Eubank Jr., that fight. In fact, I was saying it was very dangerous. Most people were saying that's a very dangerous fight for Eubank Jr. He was fortunate in that fight, let's be real. But Golovkin, you know, I, I don't see him fighting Eubank Jr. I don't see any reason why he would want to at this point. Not like he's avoiding him, but what does Eubank Jr. bring to the table? So, uh, it, but who knows, man, boxing is a funny sport and people do strange things when they can't get the fights they want. We all remember Amir Khan fighting Canelo. We all remember Kell Brook fighting Gennady Golovkin. So maybe Gennady Golovkin will do something weird and fight (laughs) Eubank Jr. thinking it's gonna be easy. Maybe it'll turn out to be easy. Maybe it will turn out to be tough. Let me know what you guys think in the comment section below. How would Chris Eubank Jr. do against Gennady Golovkin right now, how would he have done against Golovkin four years ago, back in 2016, when they were in negotiations to fight? Uh, Hasn't it, or or has it, or hasn't it changed in your mind in terms of the way the fight would play out? Maybe some of you think Eubank would have been destroyed back then and it'd still be destroyed now. Maybe some of you think that Eubank Jr. had a good chance back then and an even better chance now. So let me know what you think in the comment section below and how realistic is this fight? All right, it's happening, I'm
7: Yo, what up, champ? What up, champ? How you doing, brother?
8: I'm good, man. Huh? here watching some? I'm watching your fight with um, with, with with um Vitali, man.
7: Oh shit! <laughs> Don't watch that,
8: champ. <laughs> hey, you showed heart. You showed heart in the fight, champ. I had one arm, on, champ. I had one arm. On. I know, but you you showed heart. Oh look, it's it's, it's look.
7: Damn, champ. Let's go, champ.
8: Hey, man, you got a chin in you, bro. You took some punches in that fight, man.
7: Yeah, you do too. Hey, listen, ah, man.
8: Well, well, one question I want to ask What happened in the Linux fight? Because you almost knocked him out in, in the first two rounds. What happened in the fight?
7: I ran out of gas. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I ran out of gas, champ. Uh, did
8: did Lennox really did Lennox hit hard though, or was he just like a, a a a stinging
7: puncher? Nah, nah, nah. He hit hard. He um he um yeah, he hit hard. He was strong. You know what what really shocked me was when I got in a clinch with him, like how, when I grabbed him. You know, you ever grab a guy? Yeah. And they just physically, you feel me? He was so big that I was like, damn. You know, usually I could like at least get a little nudge, but he was just so so powerful. You know.
3: Yeah,
8: because you, you you was a big you was big and strong then as well. What well, he was he's six foot five, um two hundred and fifty pounds. And you know what? When he went to Emmanuel Stewart, he got bigger and stronger as well. He he, he fill out and got a lot bigger and a lot stronger.
7: He did. He did. He was he was strong. He he was you know what it was was he didn't do a lot of different things, but what he did, he did it good, like jab right hand. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And yeah. then he got in trouble to me. The times when he tried to do other things like, uh, you know, throwing left hooks a lot of stuff like that. You feel me? He was good at jab, right hand, sick uppercut. You feel me? You, you know what,
8: Lennox? He had like you know. Um, I don't think he get enough credit because I think he had some good uppercuts, left and right hand. I never see a fighter throws good left of the left and the right like that. You know, he's, he he was a good fighter, man. But, great, great, you know, great! What What's my favorite fight with you is with um ah uh, Sergey Likhovitch. Oh shit! <laughs> that was good because I thought you know like just on the edge of thinking oh, shit he's gonna lose and then he just fucking he just knocked him out. I was like oh man, you know. Yeah, I was, was gonna fight
7: that, that, that. was crazy, crazy. That night, man. You be and in the fights, bro. bro. Your fight, your fights be fucking crazy, champ. I I am trying, you know,
8: I'm still learning. I had seven amateur fights and twenty eight professional fights, man, so I'm still learning. You know, students, you know you know man. what's amazing?
7: You know what's you know what's amazing? Why would somebody say some stupid shit like that? Hey, because they're stupid, uh, they're stupid people, man. Yeah, man. Fucking idiots. Hey, um You know what's amazing? Like you came from kickboxing.
8: Yeah.
7: That's amazing, bro. That's crazy. That's what I I love kickboxing. I'm a I'm a huge kickboxing fan. You you know what it is? It makes
8: you tough and it makes you hard, but it messes with your style. Like from like I'm still learning to fight with my legs bent and to rock and roll. You know, cause obviously, cause you stand straight up because
7: you get kicked in the face. You know what I mean? Right. But uh, but, but I think I think I think that I know for me personally, when I went and I was just four in K1, and I just trained for like four or five months. You know, just learning how to kick and blocking kicks and checking, bro. No, no bullshit. <laughs> when I went back to boxing, it was amazing how I I, I picked up the torque. You feel me? That spin, I started yeah. hitting harder. To be honest with you, and I always kept saying I'm gonna start kickboxing because I I know it, it would improve my boxing. You feel me?
8: You know what? That guy you fought in the, in Japan that time, like you know, like when he hit that when he when he kicked your leg, I thought, oh man, Cause I I because I did boxing and kickboxing so. I know what the leg kicks are like. So I know when a boxer gets kicked to the leg, it it's a whole different
7: world, man. Nah, it's something unreal. Like, I never did it again because it just I couldn't understand. <laughs> no, I was I, I couldn't understand how it something something hurt so
8: bad, bro. Hey, you know you know he probably was walking crazy for weeks after
7: the fight. Yeah, it was crazy because I went to sleep, Dylan. Right that night, it was yeah, I was fine. But when I woke up in the morning, <laughs> my entire leg was like purple. I said, "Oh, I couldn't believe it." I, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it shocked me. It was crazy, though. It was crazy. Uh, you, you know what's a good fight as well from you? Um,
8: you versus Ray Mercer. I know it he, he was. People say, "Oh, he was past that, whatever." But Ray, Ray's a machine. Even if Ray's a hundred years old, he's gonna give you Ray Mercer. Yeah, Ray was a, a beast. Yeah, you know what's uh, my hard? One of my hardest fights was Franz Bolta. Oh, yeah, 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 I saw that, I saw that. You know, Franz Bofer is a funny one because he's, like, he's, he's a good fighter, but some I think mentally his head is not, I think his
7: head wasn't good, Franz Bofer Yeah, you know, he had, you know, we all, we, it was the different times, bro. It was a different world we was living in, and uh, you know what I'm saying? He did his thing, he stupid hard. I, I was talking to Holyfield one day. He was in a gym, and he said I, said, I said, who hit you the hardest? He said, Franz. I, I no, somebody asked me, and I said, Franz Botha. He said, you know, me too. I said, come wow. on, champ. He said, Ser- seriously. He hit one, it was one of the hardest punches I ever felt. Wow. You
8: yeah. know what? He, he had that weird style. He threw his punches sort of like a karate guy. He didn't punch um, like a boxing guy. He threw his punches like he really, he whips,
7: you know, he goes, oh, and he throws them with whip, didn't he? And it hit so hard, champ. You couldn't understand how his short punches, even how his short his short right to the body, like he would, you he would just like take a shot and he would throw a short like right hand to the body, and wherever it hit you, your elbow, your ribs, wherever it hit you, your cup, you was like, damn, he, you know? You know what Franz Bofa did that was good. He went
8: out and got some good trainers. He trained with very good trainers early. He, he went and got some good trainers. He didn't he didn't mess about. It. He had a few good trainers. Yeah. In his time, you know.
7: Yeah, yeah. He had a weird timing too. He had an offset timing. Yeah, yeah, His timing yeah, yeah. was different, you know. I, I, i like
8: a bit like Vitaly, because like when I spot Vitaly, because I spot Vitaly and Vladimir. Vladimir has got Vladimir is fast, like he, he's got good feet. But Vitaly's got like a a weird, like a weird, yeah. um, And his punches, they seem like they they're nothing, but they hurt like hell.
7: Hard. They hurt, like, so hard. <laughs> he, does this little, like, so back, bad. he does this
8: little backhand jab. When he hits you with it, it feels as hard as most people's
7: right hand. You see the drip? Let's go, champ. Let's Pillow's go. in the house. My man, Pillow's in the house. Let's go. Let's go. Well, man,
8: uh, it's 12 o'clock. I'm going to go to sleep, man, because i got to run in the morning, so... Okay. We'll what soon, what, what you life.
7: got coming up after this? After this is over, what's up? What what you got
8: planned? I'm into I'm into fighting on the Fourth of July. Oh, where at? ARM hey, um, i in Manchester.
7: That's if everything open back up, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. God <laughs> willing, man. All right, champ. Well, get some rest, brother. Get some All sleep. Right. Have a good run. All right. God bless you.
8: Peace hey, out. Wait, brother. wait, wait, wait.
7: Hold on. Let me get a Let's Go champ.
8: Let's go, champ. <laughs> Let's go, champ! All
7: right, brother. Peace, champ! All right.